Redbeard's Outfitter is a Mobile, Alabama-based outfitter offering a carefully curated selection of gear and apparel, outfitting you for your next adventure, exploring our world, and building community. We love this local store, and we love supporting folks like them who are building community in the outdoor space. Plus, they have some spectacular apparel for Alabamians and all the gear anyone would need to be ready to enjoy the outdoors. Use promo code TSO for a 20% discount online or visit them in store. Visit redbeardsoutfitter.com for more information. This is the Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark. Finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to the Storied Outdoors. My name is Brad Hill, and I'm joined as always by my good friend Brian Gill. And we are honored today to be joined by Josh Spielmaker. Josh is a 33 year resident of North Arkansas. He's been married to his wife, Christy, for 25 years, and together they have three amazing children. After a long career in construction and later aircraft refurbishment, I'd like to hear some about that later. He's currently <laughs> working with special needs students at Prism North America, a faith-based K-12 private school based there in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Josh has always had a love for the outdoors. He and his wife uh, made traditions of national park trips with their children as they grew. And about six years ago, he was diagnosed with adult onset fly fishing obsession. And uh, these days, you'll likely find him trying uh, tying flies or on his boat fishing with his wife or any random good friend. So I uh, really love that diagnosis, and I identify that is highly <laughs> contagious. And I made it all the way Brian over here to ate up with it ourselves. Made it over here to return. Alabama for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Josh, for taking time to to spend with us today, man. Guys, it's really my pleasure. Glad to be here. I um, we got to. I heard about you. Obviously, I love the Bear Grease podcast. I mean, Do you saw? Oh, I thought maybe you saw my picture in the post office. <laughs> that was well. That was later. That came much later. That came much later. But I've been listening to the Bear Grease and just really enjoy what you know those guys are doing. And yeah, and then the render. I listened to. I listened to all of it. So listening to the render and and I would just really enjoyed the the banter and the friendship that I can you know you, it's really clear this there and. And the storytelling and all the things that they're trying to accomplish, man, it's such a such a great podcast and highly inspiring for us. But on there, um, I hear I hear you talking and sharing about fly fishing. And of course, that perks my ears. Up. Somebody's got to. Somebody is very to. underrepresented. So that's that's the reason that I've weaseled my way into the podcast. They don't, they don't always have yeah. the same views as you do on that. <laughs> they don't. They don't. I, I have they rib you a little bit there. They do. I had the privilege of taking out Clay and uh, and our director of Arkansas Game and Fish out the other night, and uh, and our director of Game and Fish. I've talked to him about fly fishing, and I said, Austin, I said, do you fly fish? And he said, nope, I like to put fish in the boat. So I took him out the other night, and and uh, I literally <laughs> bought two spin rods recently just to have for, you know, I, I, my daughter just got married, and her husband's never fished before, my brother-in-law. And so I just thought if, you know, just walking out and grabbing a fly rod can be a little daunting. So I bought those, and I said, all right, Austin, you can have these and you can fish them. I don't even know how they work. 
and uh, he ended up he ended up switching over to the uh, to the fly rod after he had a slow start with the spin rod, and and uh, he he pulled the he said, uh, you know how in Quigley down under um, he always turns down the the pistol and uh sticks to his rifle and then at the end he shoots the guy and he says i never said i couldn't use it that's what he said when he picked up the fly rod and he proceeded to catch three or four more so uh, i was proud of him for landing him on the fly rod any any day there's a quiggly down under reference is exactly exactly <laughs> so he, you would say that he likes to catch he, he likes going catching not fishing he likes going catching yeah absolutely absolutely but he's a, he's our he's our new new director he's he's not had the job very long I can't say enough good good things about the guy. He's, oh, that's great. he's a fantastic that guy. That is yeah. fantastic. Well, I would always hear, you know, hear them sort of rib you a little bit about your fly fishing and and so I messaged you on the on the old social medias and and said, Man, we love talking about fly fishing. So we I appreciate it. And uh good to have an outlet. I always appreciate some of the you know, just your input and would love to hear more of your, your input. So thanks for taking time to join us, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. You absolutely. Know, let's 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 keep talking about some fly fishing. You know, that's what Brad and I love. That's one of the ways that we've been able to connect over the last you know five or so years. And um, how did you get into it? Is that something you've always done? So it, it's interesting. I uh, I my mom and dad. I'm going. I'm I'm starting. But I I sound like uh, the jerk, Steve Martin the jerk. I was born at a very young age. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born at a I, uh, I didn't, I actually didn't grow up. I, I, I've always grown up with the love of the outdoors. Like I, I, I just, I've always loved being outside. Um, my mom and dad were um, riding the highway to hell <laughs> kind of jokingly, but seriously at the same time back in the seventies. And uh, they both got miraculously saved. I mean, just overnight transformation. And uh, right after that got married, my, uh, my mom got pregnant for me on her honeymoon and, and, uh, they were surprised to know that they were going to have a, a little baby, but just a couple months into their marriage, my dad found out that he had a really rare disease called aplastic anemia. And, uh, long story short, um, four days before my, my parents' first anniversary, my dad passed away. And so my mom was, was, um, 23 years old with a two month old and a widow. Mm, and goodness. so oh she, she um she didn't remarry till till i was almost 12 and and uh really dedicated herself to just providing for me making sure i had food and and shelter and sometimes that was about all we had you know we i grew up on the on the poor side of the tracks and uh yeah you learn what when, you need and what you want are two different things exactly exactly but always out outside but then uh after she remarried my parents um we packed up and we moved from the Houston area to North Arkansas. And when we came up here, I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. We bought a house out in the middle of nowhere and had, uh, I think we had seven acres and then our neighbors had 40 or 50 acres and they kind of gave me free run. And so basically 12 months a year, I was outside getting covered in chicks and tiggers and shooting at squirrels and fishing in their pond. You know, I did a little bit of just, just Zebco 33 fishing, you know, yeah. catching turtles and I loved it. But, uh, well, that's quite the, the, that's quite the different Houston to North uh, yeah. Arkansas. I mean, yeah, it was flat, it, like I say, hot and humid. It was, it was a welcome change. And, uh, but 
You know, I I, I got to know um, I got to know Clay, and and then I, I'm really good friends with Clay's brothers, and and uh, Clay's brother Zach has been a fly fisherman for a number of years, and and I I would watch him go out fly fishing, and and uh, one day I was in Cabela's, and I thought I'm gonna buy a fly rod, and they had a some kit that was on sale half price for seventy six dollars seventy five ninety nine. And so I just grabbed it knowing absolutely nothing about fly fishing. And I buy this eight weight rod and I'm proceed to start trying to fish and with an eight weight rod with the, you know, that the lines that come on them are absolute crap and uh, putting five X tippet on an eight weight rod and fishing a little grasshopper for brim. And, uh, and then started Zach, Zach is a fly fisherman and he loves warm water fly fishing. He loves smallmouth. He loves brim. He loves. And, uh, so I did that with him for, for a while. And then, um, honestly, it was, it was an anniversary trip with my wife. We decided to come over to the white river over, um, in the Cotter area, North central Arkansas, which is ironically where i grew up but never did any fishing mm-hmm. and uh went to the the fly shop there there's a well-known fly shop there called dally's ozark fly fisher mm. and it's a huge on social media it's a huge fly shop with tons of fly tying materials and uh i i uh i bought a, a cheap pair of waders and and uh i went fly fishing man and it it was it was awesome and i caught a couple trout you know worked all day to catch a couple just not knowing what i'm doing and uh, i started we started coming over this way you know a couple times a month and my wife christy would sit on the bank in her in her camp chair and read and i would fish and uh came to our next anniversary and she said you know if you're gonna keep doing this i might want to try it too and i was like you bet, babe. And you know, within thirty minutes, had her a thousand dollars worth of fly fishing gear bought, and uh, and we went, we went, actually, we actually went out with Steve Daly, and uh, and went fishing. You know, did a guided trip, and she just, I wouldn't say she's obsessive like me, but she does enjoy it. So um, the last the last three four years, I have really. Um, just really gotten into trout fishing. I, I like the warm water, I, you know, around here kind of, uh, smallmouth is kind of our, our fish, Arkansas's fish. It's the native fish here. It's, it's yeah. a, it's great, Aggressive. great for fly fishing, beautiful fish. Um, we have the perfect habitats for it, but, uh, you know, the, the trout are not native here, but, uh, the Corps of Engineers has made some great dams on the lakes here. And Arkansas Game and Fish has done an incredible job with the with the trout program here, and we have world class trout fisheries. Man, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. So we had a we had a that's, friend. That's how, kind of how I got into it. We had a friend who um, has been on the show before, Brandon Bales, who's uh, I actually listened to his you guys' podcast with him. Oh yeah, well he he actually did the um, the smallmouth tour tour over there. Yeah, like the tour up yeah. there. Yeah, and uh, man, it sounded awesome. Yeah, it's it's run by some some guys that I know. I mean, they're just absolute, absolutely fantastic guys, too. Man, you know, that's one of the things that I love about fly fishing here is we have a great fly fishing community. Yeah. Uh, You know, I'm on an Instagram thread with 
you know, 20 guys and we're always just talking about fly fishing. And, you know, there's, there's a few of us that have boats. It's like, Hey, I'm going out on, on early Saturday morning. Who, who wants to go? And just, it's a, it's a really great community. That's, you know, that's the thing that, that I, I really love. I think, I think one of the things that, that, uh, that I feel rich in is relationships. And I have, that is something that I've pursued my whole life. I've, I had great, I had great example with, with my mom. My mom is the hostess with the mostest, I call her, because <laughs> she, she is the queen of hospitality. And when you're around her, you feel special. And that's always been something to me is that I don't care who you are. If you're going to come in contact with me, I want you to feel valuable. And so, you know, fly fishing has been a great opportunity for me to get to know guys and to just hang out with guys and just share life and to and to have a, a, a common bond of fly fishing that kind of unites us all together. So, yeah. yeah, that's that's one of the things that I love about fly fishing over here. I think there's certainly a common thread, uh, you know, in community. That's something that you know, our podcast is not solely a fly fishing podcast. That is something that Brian and I both dearly right. love. Um, but we do end up talking about it a, a good bit. And, you know, this past season we had a lot of the Alabama fly fishing community like Brandon Bales um, and different people like him, um, Stephen Rockers, and different guys that are guiding in, in Alabama. And just that community has been so good, so very kind to us. And those, they're ravenous listeners, you know, to, to all the podcasts and they share and right. are so encouraging. And so I, I think that's part of the, I think the new, I would say maybe the new fly fishing world, I think, you know, used to be, it felt very exclusive and yeah. it seemed like something that you couldn't do, you know, right. maybe that was a, a, a sport for, you know, rich, rich guys, you know, mm. uh, but now it's so much more accessible uh, a lot more people are, are doing it, and there's a really great community everywhere that we've gone uh, in the fly fishing world. There's a lot of great community yeah. um, in that. So I love that, man. And certainly one of the draws for us, too, is, uh, man, we love being around those people and spending time Absolutely. with those folks. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, Brian, uh, I, I had one thing I definitely wanted to ask, uh, wanted to ask uh, our, our friend Josh here. Josh, you talk about hat making sometimes. I do. How how does one start to make hats? (laughs) You know, it's it's funny ask because that all started. So I've got an interesting background. Um, I spent I spent a long time in construction and uh, had my own construction company. Worked for others. Um, I've always I've always just been captivated by craftsmen. I remember when I was a kid, I would watch, you know, where we lived. A lot of times PBS was the only station that would come through. But I would watch this old house and I would watch the Woodwright shop. I don't know if you guys remember the Woodwright shop, Roy Underhill. Yeah. Yeah. The one that was carrying around the old, uh, the wooden, all of handmade tools. hand tools. He had a big red mustache. Red mustache. I love that. I, I loved that guy. And I've always just been been really interested in in craftsmanship, and and even you know when I was in construction, I I really worked to hone my skills so that I would be a craftsman at whatever I did. And then um, I was in construction for a long time. My wife actually didn't go to school till she was thirty, and uh, got a degree in inter- international business and um, got 
quickly recruited by a large Bentonville, Arkansas-based retailer, mm. um, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. And <laughs> and uh, after she graduated like and started her, <laughs> she started her career there. I was ready to be be out of construction. It was it was uh, it was a lot at the time. And uh, I, I ended up going to work for a close friend of mine who had an aircraft refurbishment business. Fascinating. And, uh, I've, I've never it is, it is a fascinating job. So we would, we would um, completely restore aircraft, paint interiors, woodwork. Um, it, it is a very um, specific niche um, where I, I, again, just focused on building my skill you know I, I helped manage what we actually took this business that was just three or four of us at the time and built it up to three locations and about 20 employees oh, wow. and but uh, i would get in a lot on the because of my my construction background i would help you know help the guys in the wood shop if there were some real you know precise pieces that needed to be done and yeah, but neat. uh so i've always loved working with my hands and uh Last year, a couple year and a half ago, maybe, I was looking at a hat that uh, Clay got from a hat maker in Jackson Hole. There's a lady there, um, Christy Singh is her name. She is an incredible hat maker. She's actually from Fayetteville, Arkansas, um, but she's she um, she makes some beautiful hats. And I looked at this hat and I thought, I want to try that. And so I. <laughs> I actually just spent hours and hours and hours doing research and like trying to figure out like what are the tools? How do you do this? And uh, I, I actually took it on just as a as a kind of a little hobby to try and bought some tools and you know and and made my first hat and it turned out pretty good. So I made another one and after a while I ended up having friends call me and say, Hey, can you make you know I actually, uh, I actually, um, a friend of mine from high school, his wife contacted me. I hadn't seen him in 20 years. His <laughs> wife contacted me and said, Hey, he's been seeing these hats you've been posting on Facebook. I want to surprise him with one for Christmas. And so I made him a hat awesome. and then got to see him and sit and, and spend some time with him. And so, um, you know, when I was, when I was working in the aircraft refurbishment business, I, I did a lot of upholstery work too. So sewing leather. Oh, and yeah, that, that would stuff. translate. That's cool. And, uh, and so I, I would use that skill to, you know, make the hat bands. And, and then Clay last year was like, I've got 36 raccoon hides coming from the tannery <laughs> and I want you to make me some coonskin hats. Uh, and he's like, can you do it? And I was like, well, I'll I can try. <laughs> so I uh, I searched around and found an old an old article on Mother Earth News, man, that talked about making <laughs> coonskin hats. And then I and then I just did some more research. To I mean, the, the one that they made was pretty primitive, but learn how to make the the bands and the liners and and uh, made. I still owe him. Like I've got four more hats cut out that I need to stitch together, but um, that'll be, I've, I've made 10 of them for, no, I've made it six of them for them. So uh, they're all hanging on a, on a big old set of whitetail antler rack um, in his office right now. So, Oh, that's awesome. Anyway, but it's, it, you know, it's just something that. That's that so unique. I love it. There are certain things, you know, when you learn certain skills, they kind of bleed over into other things. And that's just one of the things that it happened to bleed over into. So I I, uh, I, I haven't necessarily built a business on it, but I have I have made a few to sell. So anyway, people seem to be happy with them. 
That's pretty cool. I got a, a we, well, Brian and I have a mutual friend that has a similar story. He's like, he, you know, he saw something like that and wanted to learn how to make it. And, and man, he started making these handcrafted uh, tobacco smoking pipes. Oh, nice. And, about Brian? They are Brian, Brian Rowley, yeah. Rowley pipes. And he has a leather business. He makes like leather briefcases and journals. And so I, that's, like that. that's another thing. I, I, my one, one mother's day, I just thought I want to make my wife a bag. And, uh, and I, I ended up buying a whole hide of oil tan leather and made a bag for my wife and then made a bag for my sister and then yeah. made a bag for my mother-in-law and then sold a couple. And so, yeah, anyway. he has a whole, he has a whole business now. I mean, growly leather and he makes beautiful, beautiful stuff, but he's one of those, you know, industrious guys. And he's like, man, I yeah. don't learn how to do that. And all of a sudden yeah. he's, you know, he's making these incredible yeah. pipes. You know, I love guys like that. What? But man, that's I'm, awesome. You, um, you've you've talked about um, earlier a couple of things. I wanted to go back, circle back to. Sure. You, you wade fished for a while and waders, but now now you've got this boat. Uh, you, you've joined. You're you're I'm now captain. Awesome. Captain. Sorry, captain Landbridge. Sorry. Captain Landbridge. There it is. Yeah. We may have to explain that uh, Landbridge. So that that's there. that's a moniker that Clay Clay said. So. Is it because your mustache is so big? I've got a big mustache, and he he always he looked at me one day and he said, "That mustache is so big, it reminds me of the Bering Land Bridge in Alaska." (laughs) So that's where that came from. So, and he literally went out and bought a book called Beringia that's about the the Bering Land Bridge. It's like one of the few books that are written that's written on the subject. I'm actually reading it right now. That's hilarious. So that's, that's right. Yeah, so Captain from. Landbridge got a boat. Got a boat now, man. I do. It's a twenty-one foot, um, twenty-one foot, twenty and forty-eight. They call it. It's twenty-one feet long, forty-eight inches at the at the bottom. Um, I run a thirty horsepower Yamaha jet outboard on it. It displaces very little water. You can take it in some pretty skinny water, and yeah, and it's real stable. Fish all day out of it, man. That's awesome. I'm, I mean, that opens up a whole lot of, whole lot of opportunity outside of wade. You know, water that you couldn't wade, right? So it does. So, so we we I actually live about maybe an hour from um, the what we call the Beaver Tailwater. So Beaver Lake is just north of us a little bit. There's a dam that's been built by the Corps of Engineers, and uh, the White River flows out of the bottom of it. And, nice and when it, when they're not, it is it is it's it's fifty it's anywhere between forty eight and fifty six degrees year round. Oh man! So wow. like it's a hundred and two degrees outside. You will go down to the White River, and if they're generating water's fifty six degrees. So, um, they they built this dam, um, created an absolutely beautiful trout habitat. But when they are generating, you're not waiting in it. Mm. It uh, it goes from you know anywhere from knee to chest deep to you know that water will come up anywhere from two to five feet depending on how much they're generating and mm. it's just it turns into a, a a pretty amazing powerful river when they are generating so um, yeah having the boat one of the great things about having the boat is not only does it open up water that you can't get to waiting but it also allows you to fish whether they're generating or not. So mm-hmm. um, whereas, you know, on the weekends, they try to create some time for the waiters to fish. Um, so they don't generate a whole lot on the weekends. Um, 
but during the week during peak season so they're hydroelectric dams so they're they're making yeah. power for us right. in the evenings when there's when there's peak power usage they're generating and so um, fortunately my schedule working at the school i i get off at, in the, you know most of june and part of july i've got off so i do a lot of right. fishing in the summer mm. but uh in the evenings you know i get off at 3 30 i can take off and be to the river by 4 30 and i can fish till dark that's awesome and that's usually the time when they're generating and and my my experience my limited experience i want to say that because i have some guide buddies that would probably correct everything that i'm about to say <laughs> um my experience when they're not generating they're it's a little more difficult to catch bigger fish when they are generating you get more aggressive larger fish so i've been starting to do more streamer fishing so you know we're fishing five to seven inch streamers Whoa. in this water and uh when you find the right spot boy they just hammer these streamers and yeah i saw you like, posted a couple that you tied like you tied the other day they're cool yeah down. Yeah, it, and it's it's so much fun to catch them on the streamer. They just and and we've in our river here. We've also got walleye too. I've yet to hook a walleye, but I hear the walleye are starting are, are biting a little bit right now. So I'm Turn trying to go tomorrow. Yeah. My I'm I'm my big thing right now is I'm really excited. We so um, my wife and I we have three. When I say amazing children, they are amazing. They're they're the most fantastic ch children that. Um, a father could ever ask for so my oldest daughter mallory she's 23 she just got married um she is a special ed teacher um here in, in the town that we live in her husband um shaman is from antigua in the in the caribbean, the caribbean. so he he just recently moved here um he's starting a master's program at the university um my son david is 21 um He's actually named after my father that passed away. So he's David Joseph Spielmaker II. Um, he's he's just an absolutely just the coolest cat in the world. And then my youngest daughter, Ava, is 17. She's getting ready to start her senior year. Um, and uh, But my son, we, we've, we've really tried not ever to force anything on our kids. You know, any like, we want you to be a dancer. Or we want you to play baseball. Or we, we really right. wanted them to to other than taking them to the national parks and when i say we took them to the national parks we <laughs> our kids have very bittersweet memories of these trips because <laughs> it was like all right everybody up we're going on a twelve thousand foot altitude 12 mile hike and everybody's gonna love it You're gonna <laughs> so love this i we, promise yeah exactly so we we may have burned them out on that a little bit but uh my son david I, you know i've been fly fishing the last few years and my son, David, uh, has never shown any interest in it. And then Clay's son started fly fishing a, about a year ago. And, and uh, yeah, Bear Newcomb. And uh, my son, David, went out with him about a month ago. And he he sends me this picture holding a fly rod and a little sunfish. And he says, caught my first fish on a fly rod today. I think I get it. And I was like... <laughs> I mean, just raised my hands to the Lord and said, "Thank you, God." So um, he's been gotta, he's 
he bought himself a fly rod and he went to Colorado with bear a couple weeks ago and he caught a couple cutthroat up in this mountain oh. mountain uh, lake and awesome and they did a they they did this absolutely whirlwind trip to Colorado but uh, I'm taking him out tomorrow night on the boat and so we, we're gonna we're gonna catch yeah. catch some trout tomorrow night now oh, we got a good we got a good friend that made the the sticker it's a, a beautiful uh, maybe it's a long year, but it's you know it's a brim, and yeah. it just says the gateway drug. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. I call I call the uh, we we catch pumpkin seeds, you know the, the uh-huh. long year, yeah. all the time here, and I call them the Joe Pesci of the river because they're like come on, come on, you oh, know yeah. what I mean? They're, it's so like, so true. hard it's in this little accurate. tiny fish. So anyway, very we're. I, I think I've digressed here where where we were headed, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited about uh, about the boat and yeah, being cool. able to, uh, you know, the boat. One of the things that I, I'll tell you guys, because you you guys are are also um, love the Lord and and want to obey Him. I bought a boat because the Lord said buy a boat. Mm. I wanted a boat for I've wanted a boat for four years, and mm-hmm. um, I felt back in the spring. The Lord say, you've wanted a boat for you for four years. Now I want you to want a boat for me. Mm. And uh, and I I didn't know everything that the Lord entailed by that. But I was like, I was like, all right, Lord, I feel this freedom to to finally look for a boat. And it was a it was a little bit of a bumpy journey to get the boat where, that we got. But uh, I tell you what, it's it has opened up opportunities for me to build relationships with people. Right. I I don't go fishing by myself. Hmm. I go with with people because I want to share life. I want to I want to enjoy the creation. I want to talk about uh, what God's doing in my life and what's what's going on in other people's lives. So that that's why I've got a boat, and that's that's what it's really opened up. So so when you when you yeah. say that, you know, not you know, not everyone who listens to this podcast is a believer, um, and and that's you know that's something that. Um, we just we just understand that. What yeah, does that absolutely. look like? Like if it, whenever not not the hearing from the Lord like that, but like how do you use something for God? Like you know, I mean that's that that may be a foreign concept. Um, so you take you've got this boat. How are you able to use it to you know let it be for Him? How do what does that look like? Um, that, that's a great question, and I think I think whenever the Lord whenever you feel like the Lord says something to you the first thing you have to do is inquire. You cannot assume that you know what God wants when he speaks to you. <laughs> so you say, okay, God, what are you looking for? What are you after? What are you looking for inside of me? What do you want to produce inside of me? I will tell you, I thought this thing was just for me to build relationships with others, but it's done so much in me just being able to 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 manage how I use it, when I use it, how I how I, you know, I told you guys at the beginning, I, I have adults onset fish, fly fishing obsession. <laughs> I am a very, obs- I have a very obsessive nature and personality. So being able to build my family by accurately reflecting who God is in a, in a sense of it being multifaceted. So yeah, I love to fish. I love to go out. I love to spend time with friends. I also have a responsibility from God to build my family. I cannot do that if I'm on the river all the time. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I love so how that, you said accurately, re- ac- accurately reflect on who God mm-hmm. is. You Absolutely. Know, that's so important so, that you have that qualifier there. So I can't, 
I can't be obsessive about fly fishing and not be obsessive about building a strong marriage or building my kids or my involvement in my church or, you know what I mean, just continuing to build relationships with others. So um, it's producing a lot of good things inside of me and inside of my marriage. And and plus, I you know, I, my favorite fly fishing buddy is my wife. Mm. Um, there is not any, I literally cannot say enough good things about the wife that God has given me. I, I, I honestly, it, it honestly breaks my heart when I hear men talk about the gripe about their wives or complain about their wives mm -hmm. because of the, the depth of relationship that I have my wife. We've been married. October will be 25 years for us. Wow. And I, she, I still want to race home at the end of the day to come see her and to talk about our days and to hear what's happened in her days and to for us to talk about our kids and how to continue to to build strong in this day and age when everything that we stand for is under assault and so um yeah i just uh, it, it's funny how god can take a boat and hmm. use it to produce fruit inside of your life the yeah. fruit of the spirit is being produced through a 21 foot trout boat <laughs> yeah <laughs> Brad, you kind of know about that, don't you, man? Yeah, it'll, it'll test you. It'll test you. <laughs> I uh, this past uh, this past Christmas, I had a knock on my door uh, the day before Christmas Eve, and um, I'm like, "What in the world?" You know, it's like eight o'clock at night, and it's the day before Christmas Eve. You know, it's one of my neighbors need something. What's you know what's going on? And I go to the door and uh, I look over. I got this little half moon window, and I'm tall enough to kind of see over and see who's standing at the door. And out there is this one of the guys from my church, and uh, his name's Keenan. And uh, I open the door, and you know, maybe he's in the neighborhood, and I open the door, and Keenan's standing there. And then I look out where I couldn't see before. There's like 20 or so guys from my church there, and uh, parked in my yard is this uh, 17 foot uh, skinny water skiff with a polling oh. platform over the motor. Awesome. Center, center console and uh those guys all went in together and said man we just felt like this is uh something that the lord wanted to give you and gave me this boat with a um a 50 yamaha two-stroke on the back of it and that uh, is awesome incredible so i've been uh i'm now captain uh, uh, my own captain captain redbeard one of my one of my buddy's kids called me redbeard <laughs> And so I figured out what uh, Captain Redbeard, uh, but man, I just been, there's so much to learn. There's so much, it's afforded me a lot more opportunity here in Mobile. Yeah. You know, you don't really want to be waiting here in Mobile because you'll, <laughs> yeah. you will meet uh, snakes and alligators. I mean, yeah. uh, literally they just uh, released a, a few guys got ticket, you know, got tags to kill alligators and they killed a 13 foot. Oh my uh, lord! Thirteen foot alligator down there, where you know That's places that we would, we would go. So you don't really want to be waiting. <laughs> mm. And so this has opened up a whole lot of water for me to be able to explore. And, and just like awesome. you know, like you talked about, you don't want to go by yourself. You know, you're you're out there um, standing on that you know on that boat and you're fishing. And man, it just is ripe for conversation. It's ripe yeah. for relationship, and it's peaceful. And it's man, it just gets you away and. Yeah, especially a lot of the places that we'll go will be really quiet, you know, away from the city. Yeah. You know, we put in close to the city, but we'll be out on the water away from the city and it'll be quiet. And man, it is, has been such a, 
a great gift. So I can, but also like you pull up to the launch and like, okay, did I do everything right? Yeah, it's true. Plug in is the battery charge, you know, yeah. all those things. And so it, it certainly will produce a lot in you and, and it may, uh, may sharpen you a little bit, maybe some iron there grinding away some, some of your, uh, frust- you know, through frustration sometimes maybe, but, uh, Absolutely. but I sure have enjoyed, uh, enjoyed the, the world of boats and learning so much because this, that's not something I've ever had. I mean, I had to take this whole test and it's a whole different world down here with, you know, when you're in salt water and, uh, there's lots of signs and buoys and things to, to think about. Uh, I did learn something new, Brian. I figured you guys would appreciate a little useless information when it comes to the buoys. <laughs> There are green and red buoys, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, the rule is red, right, return. When you're coming back, you want the red buoys on your right side, red, right, return. And that's what they make you memorize. And so that's kind of the, the rule of the highway of like the intercoastal waterway where we are. So if you're, you're coming back, you put the red buoys on your right side. Um, that happened in, uh, when we were fighting for our independence. They swapped them because in England, it's the other way around. And so the English ships coming in would think they're they're doing they're they're coming in and they're they're using those buoys and they're thinking they mean the same thing, but they put them in a way that would make them run aground. Oh, interesting. That's also the reason that we drive on the right side of the road. Oh, that's funny. Interesting, and not the left side of the road. So little, I just learned that useless information, and I confirmed that with my buddy Kyle, who's in the Navy. So, <laughs> little, little naval it. waterway history, but yeah. So cool. our, our buoys are swapped around because we wanted to be really cruel and uh, cause English ships to run aground in the war. So there you go. Well, Josh, man, I I, lo- I, I really resound what you're saying about that and and using it for the Lord's good. And you know, I, I, it takes me back to um, I think it's in Genesis where God tells Abraham, He says, "You will be blessed, and you will be a blessing." Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not enough to just receive these things and you know when i see people say that they're blessed my first thing is my first thought is okay well how are you blessing someone else Mm -hmm. with that you know and and by basically dedicating this boat to the lord and saying this is going to be used for relationship building and to to explore your creation i i love that so much because it's it's a blessing to you but it's also a blessing to others absolutely It, you know the boat's really his. I just steward it for him. That's, That's cool. right. You know, I feel that I feel that same way, man. It's such a such a gift and a fun opportunity too. You know, I just got to go out with my little boy. My little boy's nine. Liam's nine. Oh man, that's awesome. We went out uh, the other afternoon because it's been so hot, and so I waited until late late afternoon to to go out. And there's a launch close to my house, and we just kind of rode around in the upper delta here, and it was beautiful. And mm-hmm. we fished a little bit and. Just seeing his little face, you know, you know, being backing it down in, and he's sitting in it, and letting him sit in it while we we loaded in. Just little things, how much he enjoyed little things, and and being on the water and giving him those memories, and I get to have those memories with him are just I love just it. priceless, I love man, just priceless. You know, my my wife and I growing, you know, I talk about our national park trips. We really had the philosophy that we would rather put our money in memories than in things. Yes. And so we would, you know, one of the things we started doing is uh, that we'd like, love to do as a family is go snow skiing. And, uh, you know, we've built so many memories just going to the mountains and spending time on the mountains and going to the national parks, even even in the, you know, when it's type two and even maybe type three fun, 
they still it still produces memories and it'll be stories that that my children will tell my grandchildren and and you know down the generations so yeah, one yeah of our, I like that a lot one of our friends that we've had on our on the podcast Andy Blanks uh, he calls it stories instead of stuff yeah, I'm give my kids go. stories, not stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Certainly resonate with that. Josh, will you speak a little bit about uh, Prism? Sure. Do you, can, can you can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, I'm not. I, don't. I, I absolutely, I absolutely can. So, um, Prism North America is the school that. So my kids, uh, my kids, my original intent when I got married is I would, uh, I would have. I would work a, a nice blue collar job. I'd have a stay at home wife and she would homeschool my kids and have my dinner on the table. And, and little did I know that God had a very different plan than what he had in my head. And uh, he does that sometimes. My, uh, my, my wife tried to homeschool my daughter who was incredibly intense as a, as a young one. I mean, just incredibly intense. And I would come home when my wife was trying to homeschool my daughter in kindergarten, and they would both be in tears. And both of them would say, I can't do this. And I quickly realized that maybe this isn't the right fit. And so we we put our kids in a local public school here. And, and uh, you know, kindergarten was fine. And then my son, you know, started going to school after that. And, and uh, our kids spent a couple years in, in, uh, in public school we had some really, really bad experiences. Mm. And uh, actually, um, Clay and his wife, their kids, uh, so our kids have kind of grown up together like cousins. And uh, they were all in the same school. We had, we had uh, my son and Clay's oldest daughter are just two weeks apart. And oh, they cool. were in the same, they were in the same class. And uh, it, w- we heard some stuff that was going on and we, we literally pulled our kids out. And, uh, Misty Clay's wife would and I would write curriculum and and kind of home his Misty's mom would help us homeschool the kids and so we did that for the rest of the year and uh, we felt like we felt like uh, the Lord wanted us to start a school um, based out of our church and Misty Misty's background is in uh, Ed Reform so she's a she has a doctorate in yeah ed- so she just, just got her doctorate didn't she she's she's brilliant she's absolutely amazing. So we tried to start a charter school, and uh, the charter Arkansas was not favorable to charter schools at the time, and we ended up just starting a private school. And my daughter Mallory, I think, was in seventh grade when it started, and then my kids all the way down to Ava, my youngest, was uh, in first grade. And uh, that school started for Missy's kids and our kids, and quickly. Um, the roster started to fill up not only with kids from our our church but also kids from the local community of Fayetteville and uh, it was really designed to be a place of sanctuary and a place of access and so the the structure of the school was set up that um, the tuition was based on a sliding scale and Mm. you know so we had doctors and lawyers kids going to school with kids from the projects Mm. and uh you know, it, it was really, a uh, like I said, a place of access. And so over the years, so my oldest daughter graduated from prison, my son graduated from prison. And we have, we have actually um, grown over the years, not in one physical location, but now we are part of, uh, of a 
It's called Prism North America because we have seven locations around the U.S. Wow. And then we also have what we call independent virtual learners. So people who might be in Virginia or Montana or Texas or even in the Caribbean joining in virtually to our schools. So um, and in those seven locations, we might have a teacher who's in Phoenix teaching math to all the other kids in all of the whole other school system or a teacher in Pennsylvania teaching um, history to all the second graders that are joining in virtually. So, and uh, it, it's a, it is a, it has become a national, um, it, it's, it's gaining recognition with accreditation agencies of how we structured things that, that it's it's kind of blowing people's minds when when COVID hit we already had a system in place that that's awesome we just wow. slotted right in it wow. didn't i mean it was barely a hiccup for us when when COVID hit so wow. um it's an incredible system so i i actually the reason that uh, i'm there is because i was in the aircraft business and i was working crazy you know just busy all the time my wife was crazy busy all the time our daughter ava was playing volleyball and you know we were just finding ourselves like not able to go to games and all this kind of stuff and mm -hmm. so we really prayed about it and felt like i i would step back from the job i was in the, the some things just per lined up perfectly for me to walk away from that job without it messing up their business and you know i mean it was it was it was a perfect perfect time for me to step back and i was actually uh, I first I was there was an aircraft manufacturing business I was looking at buying and just negotiated with the guy for months and couldn't get on the same page and Misty Misty uh, sent me an email and said basically here's a job offer show up <laughs> and so because um, uh, I had okay. considered I had considered pursuing a job building the hat hat business and the leather works and all that kind of stuff and and uh, we Chrissy and I both just prayed about it and knew it was the right fit so. My commitment, my commitment was to be there until Ava graduates. So I'm I'm there for an, another school year until she graduates. So, yeah. what's your anyway, role? It's been, there? A, been a great journey. So I I uh, I've I've spent my my role there is called what's called a campus coordinator. So I don't do anything academic. Um, this year my my role is largely I, I do a lot of culture building. So that's it's really important in our school. You know we we really build on 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 our culture. But this year, a big part of what I'm, I'm doing is working with our special needs kids. So we have we have several autistic kids and Down syndrome kids. Wow. And uh, I, I had no idea that I had a heart for working with them till I till I came on at Prism. And uh, cool. but I'm going to be kind of working with them to help them get them some life skills. So working with them in, in our in our kitchen and uh, doing some work projects with them and getting them ready for life. You know, man, that's so, so special. I, I really yeah. enjoy wow. it. Way to go, yeah. man. Super. I'd like to teach him how to fly fish. Just what I like to do. That's what I was it. just about to ask. Yeah, <laughs> man. Well, I mean, I think that was something I was curious about. Is like you, you guys are doing things differently. How? What part does like? I mean, you're in a beautiful outdoors, accessible Absolutely. area. So, what part does that play in you guys? The education approach. That you so we've made? done we've done some we've had some incredible programs over the years. We've done an archery program. We've done um, we had a, a course last year called Humanities and Enrichment. And taught the kids how to make campfire biscuits and how to cast a rod and I mean all kinds of stuff. It was awesome. So awesome. We, it, we really 
you know, we actually one of the pinnacles of of high school life at Prism is the wilderness trip. It's we do a every year at the beginning, and we do it at the beginning of the school year. So the end of September for for us this year, we are going to Montana, and mm-hmm. we're gonna Let's we're go. staying by the Yellowstone, and uh, we're gonna take these kids on high altitude hikes and just wear them out. <laughs> they're they're gonna find grit that they didn't know they had, and That's really we cool. do that intentionally. It's a rite of passage to be oh, um, to be an upperclassman here at at Prism. Do you guys have like a community garden that Misty has done or anything like that? Uh, we we have had. We don't have one right now, but yeah. but uh, we have we have had one. That's, that's she's pretty serious about her garden. Sorry, I've got two Great Danes that are making too much noise here. <laughs> well, my lab just came in from a walk, and just I'm sure you could hear her panting right now. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why I'm at my church office. Is we have a German short hair pointer puppy that's fine. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah. And Grace so to a, you, Godspeed, yeah. my friend. I can't yeah. handle the puppies. He's a uh, he's a whole uh, he's a whole new new level of crazy moose at our old moose. He's uh he's he's all he's all gas and no brakes. Wow, <laughs> I've never had a dog with that much drive. I, I mean, I've I've had golden retrievers that would fetch, but I've never had a dog that would literally he will get the duck dummy as many times as you want to throw it. Wow, and I mm-hmm. promise you can't throw it enough. I, I have not found the end of his willingness to go get the wow <laughs> my my willingness usually fades before his does so i feel like it's kind of like uh, people who have blood bloodhounds it's like now a bloodhound owns you you don't own a bloodhound yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's right that german and short hair owns you and now Moose, Moose is, he, yeah yeah that's funny uh, josh what uh we'll circle back to fly fishing um i wanted to ask you what is your uh, you got five flies that you can have mm, great in, question. In, your, in your box. What are, what are your five go-to flies that you're like, you, I always have these in my box. And if I can only gonna, have five, these are ones. If I'm going to fish, especially if I'm going to fish around here, I'm going to have a foam hopper, probably like a Moorish hopper. I'm going to have a, there's a, there's a fly, uh, kind of a, locally recognized fly here called a Dally's tailwater jig. Hmm. That is a trout catching machine. I have to look that up. Um, I love that. A woolly bugger. Gotta have a woolly bugger. Um, Most versatile fly in the box. Uh, so we use a, we use a fly here. Um, a lot of people call it a, like a Pat's rubber legs. We, we, we call it a girdle bug. Love um, those. Got a, got a, you know, we, we tie ours on a jig, um, on a jig and, and weight them real heavy. Uh, my favorite setup on the, on the white a lot of times is a girdle bug with a Dally's tailwater jig dropper off of it. Oof. Just, there you go. Just, uh, fish that. Um, and then probably, how many is that? Is that four? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, probably an egg. I'm probably gonna have an egg pattern. Do you? There you go. Yeah. When so do you, that's a good yeah. batch. Y two Y2K. Actually, I lied to you. <laughs> what do you put that uh, five inch to. streamer on there? Oh man, I, that. So that's that is a a law of averages game right there, my friends. <laughs> it's a lot of casting. 
the reward has to be really high because it's a lot of work to just be casting that eight. Just turning that big old hours. thing over. Exactly. Fish of so, a thousand I mean, casts. I've got a I've got a really nice TFO rod, eight weight rod that uh, I got recently that uh, is an absolute rocket. But still, man, it's uh, slinging that big three hundred grain line with a six seven inch streamer on it all day is wear a man out. It's a lot of work, yeah. It's like down here casting a like a shrimp pattern with a big tungsten bead on it. Yep. Uh, for, yep. for redfish down here, man, yep. it'll, it'll wear you out. And then if if I'm trout fishing down here, the the, the uh, ruby and root beer. Have you guys ever heard of the ruby and root beer midge? They're um, no. They are a uh, local tire here by the name of David Knowles. David Knowles just passed away actually last hmm. month, um, but his his ruby and root beer midge are just they're uh, they're tied with hollow tinsel, hollow tinsel with a thick thread. Um, rib on it, it it's just it's Man, that sounds incredible. incredible fly yeah that's cool yeah look that one up the ruby midge and the root beer the midge they're, they're a great fly yeah yeah that's awesome what um we'd like to call this a a digital campfire yes and so we're we're sitting around telling stories what is a story that that you usually like to tell around the campfire it could be a fishing story, an outdoor story, it could be a family funny story, story, funny story, a bear story, anything like that. What's your stories. What's your go to? I'm still a little tender about the bear stories right now because I I spent one <laughs> year I spent one year bear hunting hard. I don't get a lot of time. I, I don't hunt very much. I never hunted until I met Clay, uh-huh. and and he got me into deer hunting and and uh, hog hunting and and uh, but one year when when they started when they legalized hunting over bait, I I just hunted hard and I had I met a guy who had a piece of property in prime bear hunting country and I but it was picture the roughest dirt road that is legal to drive on like a county road but the roughest dirt road twenty two miles oh down this gosh. dirt road. We call that I the mean, sea of four, tranquility. Four, yeah, forty-five <laughs> minute drive, rough, and uh, I baited hard for the whole month of September, and uh, I went out on opening day and sat there for I think like eight hours and what? nothing. I mean, and I had I had a pretty a couple of good bears coming in on my camera. What time of year is this? Tem- when's opening day? Th- uh, that was October first. Okay, okay, okay. So pretty nice um, weather, though. Yeah, yeah I think it, I, if I remember right, it was pretty warm. This has probably been ten years ago. Um, and I I hunted all day and saw nothing. And I I came back the next day and nothing. And right after that, Clay, I, I mean, literally the camera, nothing on the camera, it was done. Like, and and bear hunting is fickle like that. Like you can have bears on your camera for weeks. And then come October first, it's like those bears just vanish so into thin air. They know. Well, Clay calls says, "Where were you hunting again?" I tell him where it's at, where it's at because we're, we're real familiar with that area. And he said, "I need to tell you something." Oh no! Uh, um, <laughs> apparently, you weren't the only person that that 
so-and-so gave permission to hunt on his property. You were on this side of his road. This guy had property that spanned the county road. And the other guy was hunting on the other side of the road that he had given permission to. Killed your bear. He killed the state record that same morning. Stop it. Oh, my God. It was like (laughs) 550 pounds. Oh, my gracious. It was gigantic. All his teeth were gone. It was so old. All his teeth were worn down. It was was an ancient bear. Um, But, yeah, so that was the last time I put a month's worth of work to sit there for nothing. You know, so... Oh my Yeah, gosh. driving down that road, you probably had to replace. Your I, I mean, it was awful. Yeah, it was like no <laughs> people live out there. That's what that story. <laughs> so we have bears on our hunting land, and I'm telling you, every time we see them on a game camera, I'm like, I, what, "What's this bear been doing?" I mean, he's got two they're, they're two leather mystical. collars. He's got collars on. He's got. Tags oh, really? all over his ears. It looks like he might work at like a, a tattoo parlor or something like that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. He's got a parole officer. I yeah, think. I mean, if somebody's watching this check guy, in. I'm just trying to figure out how do I wow. know, how can I monitor where that bear is so that I can not go there. Like we've got, we've got. I think it's, I think it's a three strike policy. So they'll tag a nuisance bear twice, and if he gets in trouble again, he. I, there's a, I don't know if there if there's nuisance tags or whatever, but man, these things got. I mean, it's like piercings and choke collars. I mean, this guy's wow. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Lot of, there's a lot of. Is it legal to? Now. Is it legal to hunt them there? No, no, no. 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 Okay, they're, not they're, no. They're in danger. We have a lot in, in down here in South Alabama too. Yeah, and one of my buddies, uh, Freddie Tall, he he recently got to go where they. They had captured one, and they were tagging it and measuring it and weighing it and uh-huh. studying it. it was a, there's a biologist in the area that's doing a bunch of research on them and and some conservation efforts to try to help those populations kind of return to what they should be, cause, uh, which is that's pretty great. cool. So I'd love to experience some of that. I think that's one of the things that I've really in, enjoyed in watching Clay Hunt over the years is just his passion for conservation and uh, just the, the being able to – I mean, Arkansas really is a – a study in a, a, a masterful conservation effort because our bears were completely wiped out. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, at one time they, the, the, it's upwards of 40,000 bears in the state and they were completely eradicated And the, the game of fish has just done an incredible job reintroducing them and managing the, the population to give us what we've got now. And it's a healthy, sustainable, huntable um, population. Mm. That's probably a con- uh, conversation for another podcast, but that's something I've been thinking about a lot is like um, how do believers interact as conservationists, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that would say, oh man, conservationists are liberal hippie tree huggers, you know, but that's really not the case. Uh, most most of your hunters are, are very active conservationists and believe in uh, taking care of what we have so that we have it for our further generations to enjoy Absolutely. and stewarding it well. So I've been starting to read. I, f- I found a couple of, I found one book called Creation Care. Douglas Moo and his son did a whole uh, set of lectures called Creation Care. And so I started to dig into some of those, some of those books as to how do we have a sort of a, I guess for the lack of a better term, a biblical theology of conservation. Yeah. yeah. What does the Bible say about that? I think it says an awful lot, but 
again, yeah, that's a can of worms that we could maybe get into in, in another conversation. It would be. I mean, when God created man and he made the animals, the first thing he told Adam was to steward them, you yeah, know? That's right. So yeah. I don't know why things would have changed for us. Yeah. I know. But it seems like we've gotten away from that for some reason. Yeah. But politically yeah, we charged. We can do that one. We can do that episode live uh, over there on the white. There you go. Sounds like a <laughs> great the roar of the White River in the background. Yeah, I like it. Like and idea. some campfire biscuits. There you go. Oh man, I'll bring some students along. <laughs> man, what? Um, so one of our favorite questions. Uh, you, you've talked about lots of adventures. What's your next adventure, uh, Josh? Well, gentlemen, I don't know that I'm at liberty to talk about that yet. Oh, I've got some information. stuff in the works here. I've got some stuff in the works here. I. Uh, so, like I said, I am I am at Prism for for this next school year, but um, I'm looking at at possibly building some stuff around the around uh, outdoors. So, cool. uh, uh, like I said, I'm I'm not I, it's still in, in the works. I actually had a meeting with my pastor yesterday to talk 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 to him about it because uh, that's cool. It's really been on my heart. I feel like the Lord's laid something on there. So. That's um, awesome. When I when it's when it's ready to launch, I'll let you guys know. You can do a big advertisement about it. We would yeah, we'll have you back that. on to share about it. Yeah. What, uh, what about what about trips? You got any like fishing trips outside of your your normal? So I'm really excited about this Prison Wilderness trip because we are literally staying right on the Yellowstone. So um, I'm going to be up early and and uh, out there fishing. I I've, I've not done any Western fly fishing yet. I did a little bit in Colorado early on. But uh, I've not been out there. Um, my wife, my wife really wants to plan a trip to Montana um, for us to go fly fish up there, which I would hate to deprive her of such a thing. It would be be cruel. Man, Brad and I've um, had we've had a guy that that's both that's taken both of us over on the uh, Flathead, and um, man, up in Kalispell, yeah, Kalispell. Oh, foot of glacier uh national park there and oh man that sounds incredible it's a- a- avery with um big avery. fork anglers big yeah. fork anglers yeah yeah what a great guy man it, uh, he would he'd put you he'd put you where you need to go yeah we i, I love it i got to man it was terrible i had to officiate a wedding on the west uh the west side of glacier national park a couple of october wow ago. it was a big sacrifice no it was a huge <laughs> sacrifice and it was a burden that i had to bear but you know <laughs> But yeah, I had the opportunity to do that, and that's like Mecca, you know, for me was yeah. uh, fly fishing Montana. You know, I'm yeah, one of those cliche absolutely. guys, man. I watched a river runs through it and said that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I want to learn how to do that, so I went and got me a cheap fly rod and some VHS tapes and taught myself yeah. how to cast. That's what I'm talking about. Um, and then I caught brim. I didn't catch, you know, any fish, and I never saw a mountain because I live in Mobile, Alabama. You, you know, don't really have to shadow cast for brim, do you? No, no. But man, I love it, and uh, so I, you know, I was going up there. I'm like, I can't go to Montana and not at least try. And so I did a little half day float with Avery on the flathead and caught a pile of cutthroat, and it was incredible. All on dry fly. I mean, it was, it was everything I wanted it to be. Every fish I could see it come from the bottom up to hit this little purple haze. Uh, dry fly and it was oh, man. it was a dream it was a it was a dream we was, had christy and i went for our anniversary back in 2021 over to the bull shoals area of the white river and um actually we we uh we did a guided trip with steve daly and uh he we, we fished the morning and caught a few 
and uh, they they weren't generating. And then they started generating in the afternoon. And uh, he, I saw him talk to one of the one of the other guides that that he knew, and he said, "Guys, I think there's a shad kill." So we get we get when the the shad get up against the dam. It happens every now and then, and I, I don't know what causes it, but the shad get pulled through the dam, and when they get pulled through, they shock when they hit the river, mm. and the the trout just absolutely gorge themselves i mean literally you catch a sh- uh, trout during a shad kill and as you're pulling you're them out belly. no not swollen bail they're literally vomiting out shad you oh pull God. one out and three or four shad fall out of its mouth and they're just absolutely gorging on them guys we we tied on um I don't, you guys know what a wiggle minnow is um it looks it's a foam cylinder and it looks like a white shad um, and it's and it's on a curt. You take you take a big saltwater hook, like a a number two saltwater hook with an yeah. extra extra long shank, and you bend it so that that cylinder is got a curve to it, and then it's got a little um, EPS fibers or some marabou on the back of it. So when you pull it, it does this. It it oh. jerks. So we we tied those on. It's a dry fly with a marabou dropper underneath of it. And it was like there was this well of brown trout coming out of the deep, going after both of these flies at the same time. And I I landed three or four, you know, I landed a 23-inch brown. I mean, just big, huge browns. And my wife kept missing them. And uh, that was when we didn't have a boat. And we had planned to just wade fish the next day. And we pulled in with Steve and got ready and, and got ready to leave. And she goes, can we rent a boat tomorrow? And I was like, as you wish, my darling. As you and the next wish. day, And the next day, we she just tore them up, man. She caught a 23-inch brown and a 19-inch brown and a 20-inch brown. And, and the shad kill lasted a, a couple of days, two or three days. And it was just the most incredible fishing ever. 23 Which reminds me of, I was going to tell you guys my favorite trout quote. Um, is by a guy named Arnold Gingrich. He was one of the founders of of, uh, of Esquire magazine. He said, "A trout is a moment in time known only to those who seek after it." And I, I just, I love that. No, not not a moment in time. It's a moment of beauty. A moment of beauty known only to those who seek it. And I just, yeah. I love that quote because I think it, I think a trout is such a beautiful beautiful creature i mean you look at it and it's like an artist made this and uh it just makes me appreciate our creator even more you know amen yeah they look i mean they look like blown glass sometimes you know when they you do. pull them out in the waters you know the water's on they are you're right yep. they are a, a great expression of of his uh, craftsmanship and creativity and a gift little glimmers absolutely of, little glimmers of his beauty man that's awesome Josh, thank that. you so much for for your time, man. This has been a, a my great pleasure. Great to get to spend some time with you guys. Appreciate what you guys are doing and and uh, the 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 co- keeping the conversation going. Yeah. Well, now I know what uh, now I know what kind of disease I have. I'm thankful for that. <laughs> if anything has come out of this, identification is uh, the first step. <laughs> it really is. It really is. Onset fly fishing obsession. That's it. That sums it up. That's great. Telling you, man, you need to make a sticker. It would, it would, it would go. It would go. I love it. 
Hey, and maybe brown trout. (laughs) Maybe you can come over here in Alabama. We can do some warm water, warm weather fishing, um, a warm water fishing. I'm sorry, where where they have a beautiful fish called the the red eye bass here in Alabama, and it's native, and it grows about an inch per year. And so, oh wow, you know, eleven inch fish has uh, been around a little while, and so. But they're in uh, those those kind of cooler, rocky rocky bottom, rocky shoal. Kind of act uh, like a little brook trout, yeah. Little, it's the Alabama oh, man, brook trout is what a lot of people would call them, but they're very aggressive. Lots of fun to catch on top oh, of man, them. Joe Pesci's. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, they come out swinging, man. <laughs> Brian and I were we got the fish uh, together earlier this year for those, and uh, we were walking through these these lilies, you know, moving kind of moving along. And my fly was there, and one scared. I mean, it scared the life out of me. It just flew out of the water like air jaws. <laughs> After this popper, and I wasn't even trying to catch a fish. We was trying to move to the next <laughs> hole. Those little things are mean, man. It's awesome. So yeah, if you ever make it. it over this way, that's a great fish to target, man. Sounds great. great. Yeah. Well, we love this conversation. We're we're just thankful again that you would take time to to share your story. And man, I love uh, I love hearing somebody that's uh, you know bragging about their marriage and so happy. Man, with more marriages like that, the better. And I'm thankful for that testimony. Uh, from you and man it encourages both brian and i as uh, as we love our wives and try to raise our kids and i love hearing all those stories and just gives me gets me excited about continuing life uh, with my family and, and especially you know in the place that we you know the place that we spend a lot of time is the outdoors and we love those stories and man i'm sure this will encourage people just like it's encouraged me to to share their stories and write them down that's the other thing you know we want to see people write more things down and we're archiving these stories on this podcast, but we're also writing stories down to, to share them, write them, and uh, spend more time in the place that we love to call the storied outdoors. Yes. 